Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. We're back in the green room. It's time to talk about movies that aren't related to the MCU. Welcome to the green room. We are back here today with me, Tyler Borland, and Danny Vincent. Host Danny Vincent. That's me. And Caleb S. Our Bun. guest, Caleb S. Bun. Hey. So this week, don't worry, none of us have trailers. So we, yeah, we, we are avoiding okay. that. That we're that avoiding that trap again. We're, that, we're <laughs> avoiding that train wreck. But there's another train that. That we talk about. That's True. right. I watched the Amy Schumer classic Trainwreck. Train I watched the oh trailer gosh. for Trainwreck. <laughs> Let's discuss the trailer for Trainwreck. <laughs> it's set to the AJR song. Okay, no, never mind. Let's go. Go on, Caleb. What did you watch? Uh, so I watched uh, Infinity Train. Um, I've started the second season of it. It's a animated show on Cartoon Network that is also on HBO Max, which is where I'm watching it. Um, but because I don't want to spoil the first season, I'm just going to be talking about the, f- or, uh, since I don't want to spoil the f- first season by talking about the second season, I will just talk about the first season than this. Um, so it's the story. Of- I've seen the pilot of Infinity Train, so I just want that on the right. Cool. I, I'm curious how much of what I'm about to say is in the pilot. Cause I haven't seen the, the short film pilot, but it's the story about Tulip, who is a girl whose parents are going through a divorce and um, she's not taking it too well. And so she decides she's going to run off to go to computer coding camp. Um, and she stumbles across a uh, alternate dimension where there's this train that is infinite. Um, and each car on the train is a different world. Uh, and so she makes some friends along the way. And uh, as she travels along the train, she kind of has to deal with um the uh some of the situation that's going on with her and her parents um and it's just a really fun like portal sci-fi type uh type um show portal is in like the literary thing not the video game no yeah i go to yeah um but yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of kind of like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where it's just any odd thing is possible um, and it balances it balances the drama and like the adventure aspect really well, and has a lot of like moments of action that can be very frightening, which I think is a lot of fun. Um, and it uh, and because of that, I would say it's probably if you're going to show this to a kid, it would probably be most appreciated by an older kid, kind of like how uh, Danny thinks that Wolfwalkers mm. is a movie, kind of for more like middle aged. Not middle-aged kids, middle-school middle kids, middle-aged, yeah. middle-school-aged kids. I, I just also want to mention uh, the voice actor for the first two seasons, uh, Ashley Johnson, is an MCU alum. Uh, she plays the waitress in hey. uh, in Avengers. The one um, that was in that deleted scene that got left out. Yeah. I think in, my thing on Infinity Train is, this is why I have never watched it. I was really excited when the first season came out. And I was ready to watch it because I thought it was supposed to be a miniseries. And I was like, oh, Over the Garden Wall was great. I need another Cartoon Network miniseries. But then as soon as they said that it was getting a second season, I was like, eh, all right. Okay. I just did not prioritize it at all. As soon as I heard, oh, it's going to be more than one season, I'm out. The first, <laughs> the first season is a complete story. Um, the second season starts a new story on the train. So I would, I would still give at least the first season a shot. 
probably at some point, but I, I'm just saying that's why I'm just explaining that's why I've never gotten around to it because it was gonna be like it was really top priority, and then they're like this isn't a mini series, so I was like well I can't log it on Letterbox then, and so I never watched it. You and your Letterbox. I gotta create content for the world. He won't watch that, but he'll mm. watch Spider Man turn off the turn off the dark. Hey, Spider Man turn off the dark. You was honestly probably longer than but, the first season of Infinity Train. Yeah, they're ten minute episodes. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I was like, yeah, this probably. So how time. does how does that's interesting? Um, ten minute episodes. How does that work narratively? Yeah. So one of the things I appreciate about it is that as you're watching the first season, you don't really. Um, you don't really see the season long wide story arc that's going on. Um, you can take each individual mm-hmm. episode as like its own chunk, but then as you keep progressing, you start to see kind of her full character get fleshed out. Um, so I think it's very easy for me who like is kind of oftentimes very busy just to like turn on a 10 minute episode and then like, I don't have to worry about, you know, sitting yeah. down and spending an hour of my time. I can just watch one episode at a time, but still get this full story. This entire thing is making me think I should give uh, Tyler over the garden wall at some point for some reason. Because th- that's always the vibe I've heard Infinity Train kind of gets to, which is the main reason I did want to watch it is because over the garden wall rules. Over the garden um, wall, though, it's fantasy, right? You haven't seen over the garden wall? No, I need to. Oh, my God. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I thought you'd seen it. Uh yeah, it's kind of fantasy. It's very Americana yeah. type of thing. That's cool. Because, yeah. yeah, one of the things I appreciate about this is I've seen a lot of fantasy stories do what Infinity Train is doing, but Infinity Train is sci-fi. So it like it's kind of its own different take on it. Sure. I, 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 not, not, I must, you should check out Over the Garden Wall. Oh, I'm, yeah, I, really like I will. Over the Garden Wall a ton. It's a good Halloween th- watch. Tyler, what did you have to say? I was just going to say that like the the concept of the like 10-minute episodes uh, reminds me of something. One reminds me of something of... Uh, Quibi? Very Quibi, yeah. Quibi, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Quibi but, yeah no, it's... I'm all, always for these things that are like they that are more pioneer, you know, pioneering forward and kind of testing out the, these new ways of presenting their con- uh, their concept. Very much the way that Wolfwalkers did its animation, uh, you know. Uh, That's the reason why I brought up Over the Garden Wall. Uh, I don't yeah. want to talk too much about Over the Garden Wall, but Over the Garden Wall is a miniseries, and it is 10-minute episodes, so you can watch it all in an hour and, and, like, two hours. Like, it's done in two hours, the whole show. Yeah. So it's more like a movie, but you can also tell watching it, it is not designed to be a movie. It's designed to be something you watch. You can binge it, but you know what I mean? It's very episodic. Mm-hmm. Glad you brought this this one up, Caleb. Yeah. yeah. You should check I know it uh, Kevin is a huge fan of it fan of the podcast kevin so he'll be like infinity train yeah that's a great kevin impression i don't remember (laughs) kevin talking like that oh yeah i'm kevin (laughs) you include this in it because i'll warn him about it ahead of time you've only ever heard kevin's podcast voice tyler oh oh okay (laughs) we should probably not back on kevin too much uh because we're 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 good friends of kevin kevin's cool yeah um so club not club club just went Tile. This week I watched Hook, which is a 1991 uh, film. It's I watched it on Netflix. Uh, uh, Hook was directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, much like last week's film, uh, Minority Report was. Uh, this film's got Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Julia Roberts, Maggie Smith, and there's an appearance from Gwyneth Paltrow 
However, Danny, you'll find out that she does not get the with credit in this movie. What? Much like Spider-Man Homecoming, Gwyneth Paltrow's only in this for like maybe 10 or 20 seconds. Like, it's not very long at all. So I don't... Why? Why didn't she get her with credit? Who, I don't know. Who does Maggie Smith but play in this? Maggie Smith plays Wendy. Whoa, I Wendy Darling. Cool. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, and we'll talk more like about about this, the source material for this film. Um, there is a Glenn Close cameo, which I had no idea about until <laughs> Danny pointed it out. Um, which just, I mean, just speaks on how great the makeup and the costumes are for this film. Glenn Close actually plays one of the male pirates on Hook's ship. Um, so, the setup is super 90s to the max. Um, it's Peter Pan, now grown up and a workaholic, must return to Neverland to save his kids from the clutches of vengeful pirate Captain Hook. Um, that is the Netflix description. Uh, so yeah, if if you thought Hook, what's that about? And I talked about pirates. Yes, this is this is a continuation of the Peter Pan story. I actually just Do listened what? to a podcast that was vaguely about Hook, incredibly vaguely. It was more about Pan, the uh, yeah. Hugh Jackman movie. But they were like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, this is kind of like Hook," and they did talk about Hook a little bit, even though I've never seen. Gotcha. Hook. So gotcha. Tyler, well, are you- I'm going to assume that it, yeah. Are you intentionally going through all the Steven Spielberg movies that Danny hasn't seen to shame him yeah. into watching them? Okay, I have seen 30 Minutes of Hook on a VHS tape while I was waiting for my dermatologist. That doesn't count. That's the maximum <laughs> cinema experience. It would only be better if it was on your phone, like what Queeby intended. No. <laughs> Queeby, why, where's the Hook remake of Queeby? I mean, you, yeah. you, you Swap that, reverse it. You knew what I meant. Let's just go on. Yeah, anyway. Not dwell on it. Let's so, don't dwell on it. Yeah, I was really surprised. Like, after I watched Hook, I, I, was, I was like, Danny, have you seen this? Um, because, like, I've got reasons to why, it, like, later on. But it's actually kind he, of yeah, embarrassing to have seen this because I love Peter Pan films. This one now, see, it's an interesting take on the classic tale that I don't think I would have appreciated it. As much when I was younger. Before, yeah, before we get into like more narrative stuff, uh, this was Grammy nominated, Golden Globe nominated, and five times you can't talk Oscar about the nominated. Anymore. Oh the yeah, are canceled. sorry, they're dead. No it more was Grammy nominated and Oscar nominated. <laughs> um, uh, Oscars were including art slash set, costume effects slash visual effects, uh, makeup, and music. For Johnny uh, Williams. Did it win any of those? Is it a Snub Club movie? It did not win mm. any of them. So I assume Snub Club will eventually talk about Hook. Uh, we'll see. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Yeah, I talked about this is 90s to the max. There's a moment where Robin Williams takes out a big cell phone of the 90s, which are those big boxes, which uh, the, and he pulls out an antenna for dramatic effect as if... This the presence of this phone up to his head was not enough uh, notion to tell the tell the other people in the room that he was on the cell phone and like it just he slowly pulls it up and then it's like whack like <laughs> boom there's the antenna and I was like oh my gosh <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah what day uh, so I did look it up for Caleb's sake uh, Hook got five Oscar noms. However, there was a film that year that got seven and had no wins. So we will talk about that film instead. And I'm not telling it. Gotcha. Because Tyler, Caleb has to be surprised 
four years down the road when we get to it. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so sorry, so, we will not cover Hook on the podcast. Ah, uh, sad day. Can I say one more thing about the Oscars? Sorry. Yeah. You need to clarify this. It was not nominated for Best Score. It was nominated for Best Song. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I just oh, want to okay. clarify Did I get that. that get that wrong? No, yeah. no, you said music. It's, you said music. It's just music. when you hear oh, John okay. Williams, you assume it's score. You know what it's I mean? Score. You assume it's the yeah. score. But no, yep, it's, it was, I just want to it was an original. That. It was an original song that was sung by one of the kids. Which, speaking of the kids, the kid actors in this film are... They're, they're fantastic. Um, they really bring bring uh, life to the Peter Pan Peter Pan story, um, which the plot is organic. It doesn't entirely rely on its source material to give it substance. However, there is some super shady, like Peter Pan uh, stuff in in here. Like it's just kind of. I, I don't want to spoil it, but the, yeah, just the, like, the origin to get to the point of where we start at is very, very weird. Um, there are, are quite a few plot holes and some creepy insinuations, and Tinkerbell is not needed at all in this film. She's played by Julia Roberts. Uh, her stuff was just mega weird, and she's not needed. She's, it's really just like, we need Isn't Tinkerbell this movie like this. two and a half hours long? I've always yeah, heard this movie is yeah. ridiculously long. Yeah, it's two long. and a half hours long. So you could watch this, or you could watch Avengers 1. <laughs> or, but you don't watch, watch or you Avengers could binge watch one. the entire pilots of Queeby. Every single pilot of Queeby ever put out. <laughs> Anyways, so, uh, so yeah, the really great parts of this movie, what had me like, like just draw, jaw-dropping moments over and over again, were the set pieces of this film. The sets are gorgeous, especially in Neverland. Um, it's very theatrical. It's like, you know, someone really painted everything, which, I mean, it was uh, filmed mostly in the state of California, but it was filmed mostly on Sony sound stages. So these set pieces were built, like they used these real, uh, real uh, set pieces, you know, very, like I said, very theatrical. That explains his Oscar um, Nice yeah, and sense. you really get the sense that you are on this boat, like on a big boat, and you get a sense of like how big the ship really is. And the ships are just they're they're gorgeous. This movie is so freaking beautiful. Um and it just even with the the weird Tinkerbell stuff happening, I was like the, it went from a weird Tinkerbell scene to again shot of the of the ship and i'm just like oh my gosh this like i forgot about the the crappy plot points yeah. and i was like yeah this is this is good um robin williams is great in this but dustin hoffman is fantastic i love this version of captain hook a uh, very convincing performance from hoffman uh the costume design and makeup are on point uh hook is super charismatic he's very much over the top and it gives uh, he gives Spidey, uh, Spider Man, turn off the dark, Green Goblin, a run for his money. Yes, Patrick Page, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman get, gives you a run for the money in this. But uh, but yeah, I think it's got the. We need to see them in an act off. That's I want to see them yeah. sing off. I want to hear Dustin Hoffman sing. Let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's see what he's got. And it, it can't be the song that he sings in Santa Claus Three, right? Here's the, here's the thing. I think. I think Patrick Page could do uh, Patrick Page could do Kramer versus Kramer. Can Dustin Hoffman do Freak Like Me? 
I'm not sure anyone else so. can or should be required <laughs> to do Freak Like Me. <laughs> I think this film has the best training montage that I've seen so far, aside from the Mulan animated film. The um, important be- word there is that he's saying, seen so far, when as we've had established on this podcast before, Tyler has not seen a single Rocky movie. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why I had to say that. That's why you that need disclaimer. to give that disclaimer. Yeah, so yeah. It I really enjoyed the training montage. Um the the practical effects and props. Okay, so when the when the new Star Wars trilogy came out, the the sequel trilogy came out, they were like, Oh, this is so much better than the prequels because we're doing everything practical and you know, everything's gonna be handmade and you'll you'll see how this is all put together. Um, that this film was in 1991 and it blows the Star Wars trilogy films, all three out, like out of the water with how great, like in real the, the, the effects and the props are like, I, I truly believed I saw that these flowers were truly fake, but I believed that they were, uh, interacting with Robin Williams, mm-hmm. um, which is also a, a credit to Robin Williams uh, acting, um, which I also want to say, like, when Peter Pan has to fly, Robin Williams makes flying via cable look natural. He makes it look like there's n- he's not even Oh, that makes so cable. much more. I yeah. want to have this said, that in your notes you say Williams, I because we're Spielberg, I forgot, for some reason I was just like, what, what does John Williams have to do with this? <laughs> the music like, made oh, me believe. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh, I love, well, it makes way more sense. Yeah, Robin Williams... Again, Spielberg with the lighting. The white balance game is way off. Um, <laughs> can't, can't. And, I want to look at but, this. Hold on. But on, it's on. not as Press prevalent by as, someone else. as what um, it is in Minority Report. Mm-hmm. It's Minority not shot Report, by the same person. It's a different cinematographer. I'm surprised Oh, is it? That. that would, that would yeah. explain Wow, the cinematographer. Can I actually just point out? The, okay, so the cinematographer shot Back to the Future Trilogy, Frame Roger Ragnett, Jurassic Park, Hook, Apollo 13, and then after that, their career, like, fell apart. Oh, my gosh. They shot Flubber. They shot Looney Tunes back in action. They shot Garfield. <laughs> Jack and Jill. Home again. Oh, the goodness. Reese Witherspoon comedy. What happened to this person? Did they get blacklisted? What happened? <laughs> okay, they directed a movie. That's that's usually what I was that's doing. The they direct okay. a movie. Cinematographers don't direct things. Yeah, they, they directed a... Looks like they directed the Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves sequel. Oh. Uh, yeah, yep. that killed their that career. So yeah, Danny, um, I'm not going to give this film to you for the green room um, at any any point in the future, but I this is one that... it's a I'll get around film. to it. It's Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get around to it. Um, it's definitely worth worth the time. Overall rating, I give it four stars out of five. Um, I'm close to giving it four point five stars uh, out of five. What keeps it from getting that five stars? It's the creepy insinuations and plot holes. Yeah, I remember the Tinkerbell stuff especially was a big um, turnoff yeah. for me as a kid. I don't. I need to go back and rewatch this because I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and the only thing I really remember is. This one scene with Tinkerbell, that's weird. And then um, the basketball scene where they're playing basketball on the pirate ship. Or is it baseball? It's baseball, right? Yep, they're playing baseball. Yeah. I want to call out an actor you didn't list, and that's that this has Dante Bosco in it as a kid. Yeah, he's he's like the head uh, lost boy. I also think it's interesting that 
you are talking to two people who aren't very familiar with this movie because I'm willing to bet if we'd all watch it, at least one of us would hate it because this is actually one of Spielberg's most divisive films. I know mm. so many people who would hate this movie. Like they absolutely are like, Ugh, gross. It very but well. It. <laughs> it very well could have been me because. Robin, I have a shoddy record with Robin it's not, movies. It's not just you, though. It's not just you. I know several people who don't like this movie. I just haven't seen it. So, but we're going to let Tyler love it because we can't really argue against it. We don't, I don't even know what's wrong. I, well, the thing I've heard that's wrong of it is that it's too long, really. Uh, which I can probably agree with on principle that I don't understand why a Peter Pan movie is three and a half, two and a half hours long. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it could, it so. could be actually, it could be shorter because you just cut out every Julia Roberts scene. Um, mention of Tinkerbell, and you change up some of the some of the origin story, but okay, but yeah. Well, now I talk about my movie. <laughs> All right. And I, I, so I picked this so movie this, for two reasons. Yeah. What the first reason is is that I've been begging Caleb to let me talk to him about Fast and Furious for five years, and he's never let me. And here we are. On a recording, and I'm have talking I, about Fast Furious. Have I, like, actively well, tried to stop you, or have I just said I haven't watched I, Fast I, Five? Well, I outright asked you, uh, first, okay, first off, I asked I asked Kevin if I could do a Fast and Furious episode on Committed Critics, and he told me, we can do an anniversary episode of the first Fast and Furious, and I'm like, no, I have no desire to talk about the first Fast and Furious movie. The entire <laughs> interesting aspect of Fast and Furious is how the franchise evolves, so to just talk about one of them is lame. I'm going to do that now because Fast Five is the best one. That's what I'm talking about is Fast Five. Um, Fast Five is the best Fast and Furious movie, so I think it's okay to talk about it on its own, you know? But also, it's like, I don't even like the first Fast and Furious that much. <laughs> uh, so I said no to that. And then to uh, to Caleb, I was like, you know, if you need a mini series for Hot Trash Unlimited, I'd be happy to come on and do weekly episodes on the Fast and Furious movies. And he was he just replied back with two letters and oh, and then I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard, but the movies, they're back. Nobody does a comeback like the movies. Uh, that's a Vin Diesel quote from his uh, funny trailer but that he put out. You you sounded like the uh, secretary from Monsters, Inc. It's been a while. <laughs> Places we used to gather have gone silent. The roads have been a bit empty, but now we can come back together at... The movies. So this is like a trailer he put out for Fast 9 where he weirdly just narrates to the audience about how important movie theaters are. SNL actually did a sketch about it, too. It's, it's, it's actually a decent sketch, but it's only really funny because it opens with just a shot of a car and then you hear a really bad Vin Diesel. Kind of like what I just did. But yeah, so Fast 5 is the it's playing at the movie theater. And yesterday, which at this time would have been the Friday of Memorial Day, was the big day the movies came back because Quiet Place Part 2 and Cruella came out. And I went and the parking lot was packed. I was like, well, I'm going to go watch Fast Five. Uh, and it was also a packed audience. And you know what? Fast Five is such an enjoyable... Bl- it is a top blockbuster of the decade, of the 2010s. Uh, I Watching it, I was thinking about how this year I rewatched Captain America 1 on my own and Thor 1 with this podcast and First Class with this podcast. So 2011 yeah. summer is in my mind. And I'm like, this movie is so much more polished than any of them. The story is so... The story is serviceable, but it all... It works for the action it's trying to tell. And so I've also been... Re- I rewatched Fast 1, 
And Fast 2, Too Fast, Too Furious. I can't call it Fast 2. That should be illegal. You have to say Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, <laughs> but you have to you uh, have to say it like the like the ludicrous song says. Too it. fast, too fast, too furious. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, uh, those movies both have this thing where the second act is so boring, and Fast Five kind of flirts with it a bit, but then it has the genius idea that fixes the Fast and Furious franchise, which is that these movies should be large ensemble pieces because none of these characters can hold a movie together. But if you give me like ten characters working as a team. And then The Rock and his partner, and then bad guys, it's going to work. Because no matter what, you can cut away to a different character that's interesting. Um, and you're not going to overexpose these characters that are thin, because they're always going to be interacting with different people throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So, Fast Five works because it is packed. It also works because these, this is the movie where they finally embrace that these movies are stupid. <laughs> but what's interesting is, is that Fast Five, <laughs> it's a build. It's a, it doesn't immediately jump into stupidity. The opening scene is stupid. Like my audience laughed at it. Is um, I don't have you seen Fast Five? I know Caleb hasn't. Have you seen yeah, Fast I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. So fa- I think I saw Fast Five. Yeah, I saw it in theaters and I saw it home release. Yeah. Um, this was my first time I saw it. In, I saw Fast Six was my first Fast in theaters. Um, hmm. and I remember is like the opening scene is a bit over the top, but in the same way that like Fast and Furious scenes had always been a little over the top beforehand, not right. the absolutely insane way the third act goes in Fast Five. Um. And I just remember my audience yesterday, like, cheering and... Not cheering, but they were out, like, laughing at... You know how they do that jump into the canyon? And it just, like, has a shot of Vin Diesel and Paul Walker just slowly letting go of their car and looking really cool at the camera and slow motion. It's so funny. And then it's also, like, funny because there were kids in the audience. And, like, one of them goes, like, why is Wonder Woman here? Because Gal Gadot is in these <laughs> Yeah. Movies. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of what else I had to say. It's just such a good movie. I, I, I want to talk about the third act last. Is this, um, was this the first one directed by Justin Lin? No. So Justin Lin directed Tokyo Drift and okay. 4, which is why 5 being so good was such a surprise. Because it's like, well, okay, people like Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift has a very like cult following. Mm-hmm. I need to rewatch it. I wasn't really impressed when I saw it initially. I think I might like it more now. Um, especially because I think Fast has kind of lost its way recently. I think... Five, six, and seven are a pretty great trilogy. Other than that, it's kind of like, mm, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but five, six, and seven are great. But five is the best uh, because it slowly builds to the craziness. Uh, it knows when to put in its set pieces that are good. You know what I mean? It, it gives you the interesting character building. And I think heist movies are just good because, you know, you have to plan it out. And it's got to be fun planning it out. And then the big the secret weapon of the movie isn't really secret because what everyone talks about this movie is that The Rock is in it. And The Rock's character is the one thing that I want to talk about with Fast Five that I don't think I've ever seen anyone talk about other than me in my review that I put up uh, is that there is an underrated aspect of Fast Five that you forget because Hobbs' team doesn't return in the upcoming movies is that it gives just enough screen time to the members of Hobbs' team besides his partner to make you like them and see their distinct personalities. And it's not a lot of time. It's maybe like total to like three minutes of the entire movie. But it's enough because later on, right before the third act hits, his entire team is killed by the bad guys, which allows Hobbs to be like, yo, okay, Dom, you can commit this heist because I want this guy who killed my team to get revenge. And then after you commit this heist, I'm going to arrest you. Yeah. And otherwise, because it, it works because, you know, the whole point of Fast is like it's about family. It's about these characters who actually really care about their friends and they view them as family. So we get Hobbs as a dual character to Dom because it, it we see his family. 
And then we see his family get killed in front of him. So, of course, he's going to side with Dom against the people who killed his family, even if he is the Tommy Lee Jones, the Terminator. Um, and actually, fun fact, Tommy Lee Jones was initially supposed to play Hops, which would have been a very different movie. Yeah, uh, that's... Uh... Wait, did yeah. you say Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones was supposed to play Hops because it's very much based off his character in The Fugitive. Um, was, he and, and Tommy Lee jo- was he still going like, to fist fight with Vin Diesel? No, that was all rewritten when The Rock signed on. The Rock is the secret weapon of this movie because he's incredible. Obviously, he's charismatic because he's The Rock. This was back when The Rock was still a bit edgy, too. He's sweating constantly in this movie. I just love also, like, if you ever watch this movie and just, like, take the pictures out of context of how close The Rock and Dom are whenever they talk to each other, they are, like, an inch away. It's kind of like in Too Fast also, in Too Fast, Too Furious. Tyrese and Paul Walker are insanely close to each other yeah. in a lot of their talks. And that's the, that's the rock in this movie. And of course, and this is what I wanted to get to, it built to that third act that is so wonderful, where it's just them going down the streets of Rio de Janeiro with a safe just being dragged around as a wrecking ball, knocking people over, knocking things over, breaking things up. Ah, it's so good. Such an entertaining movie. Big movie, big screen, loved it. Back at the movies. Nobody does a comeback like the movies. Nobody does a comeback like Fast Five. Uh, I'm a little pessimistic about Fast Nine based off some people overseas who I know have seen it. We'll always have Fast Five, Fast Six, and Furious Seven. I will see it eventually, Danny. And when I do, mm-hmm. we can talk about it. Maybe not on we Hot Trash and Mama. We got we got to do a Fast Five, Mama Mia. Here we go again. Uh, double feature. I'm very, very, like, splotchy when it comes to watching any of the Fast and Furious movies. I don't think I've ever watched them in any order. It's just been, like, coincidence when I watch them. Yeah, I, don't I watch saw them Fast intently. Six my first one. Like, like, I don't watch them intently. It's, hey, we're going to the movies. We're going to go see this. And I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll go see it. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I, no, I do, I do remember, like, uh, the big moment from that from that film like the the climax of that you know the climax is so good but the the thing is also like you know re-watching it there are so many memorable scenes in it that aren't even the end like the opening Mm -hmm. sequence with them trying to steal cars from a train the the street racing scene with it's um it's the four of them just racing for fun just so many dumb Tyrese jokes in the middle of the movie uh it's just it's I, I feel very comfortable saying it's a classic. Like I like a legitimate like classic divorce from Fast and Furious. Is this like, mm. it is an action masterpiece is, type of thing. Is Kurt Russell in this one or does he show up no, later? He's only in seven. Oh. He's in seven. It's, the it's only boring. famous the the rock was the big person adds to this movie. Um I'm trying to think the other guests are like Brazilian actors or you know I don't know. I, I don't want to call them the Brazilian actors because I'm not sure, but they are not known American actors. I also rewatched this movie just go like, man, it's so cool. This movie, there's a lot of subtitles in Fast Five. There's a lot of Spanish and a lot of Portuguese being spoken, and I really like that about that too. Because more so than the other movies, it has a lot of subtitles. I mean, Fast and Furious is always sold as this multicultural blockbuster, and it is a multicultural blockbuster. But this is the one that really is like, no, we're set in Brazil. It's gonna be a movie set in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I think Tokyo Drift does that too, though, with um, the Japanese. Uh, obviously there's no Portuguese in Tokyo Drift, um, but yeah, it's just a tremendously satisfying movie and it was such, it's so nice to finally see it on the big screen. It's such a unique franchise too. Like, I don't think it fits into any genre cause it's, it's not a spy movie. It's not a superhero movie. It's just, they're different each movie. This one's a heist movie. I'd say six is a spy movie. 
I don't know what seven is. Seven is its own thing. Seven, yeah, definitely just becomes its own thing. And then I think the new spinoff was meant to be a spy movie, Hobbs and Shaw. All right, that's the green room this week. Keep an eye eye out on our delve back to 2014 with Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Who the hell is Bucky? Bye. Bye.